Welcome back to the Middle of Culture. I'm one of your hosts, Eden. And I'm your other host, Peter. Hey, Peter. How you doing? How you been? I'm hanging in there. It's been uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, did a surgery today that I probably haven't done in five or six years. Um, the good thing was is I had seen or heard or read, I can't remember. Anyway, I had been introduced at some point in the last couple of years to a new technique to do a portion of this surgery that is a little tricky. And so we tried that out today and it worked great. It made uh, that part of the surgery much, much easier. And so I was pretty happy with that. Well, that's cool. It's always nice to try something new and have it turn out that well. Yeah, definitely. How about you? How are you doing? Doing okay. Surviving. Um, There's been a lot of question about certain things regarding my role at work that seem to be coming to a head and being resolved. So I'm excited at the prospect of that resolution coming. That's what I'll say. Nice. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. So uh, you've been been checking out anything interesting in the pop culture world? Um, A couple things that I think are worth mentioning. Since the last time we spoke, really, you know, nothing more than still working away at reading uh, The Wheel of Time. But one thing I did want to mention to both you and anyone listening, I don't know that you need this, but others might be interested. Uh, today, I think it was actually today, Humble Bundle dropped a complete Elf Quest bundle. So did they? It is the forty fifth like, anniversary of ElfQuest's first uh, issue coming out. It was earlier this week. Well, then it could be that that's what this is for. But for like thirty bucks, you get a, a whole lot. I don't know if it's everything, but it it looks like a lot, and. You know, when I snagged ElfQuest for our episode, I just bought it through Kindle, which meant I was stuck looking at it on in the Kindle app. These are PDFs, and um, I'm suspecting they're fairly high-res PDFs because many of them were like four to five gigabytes per PDF. Yeah, this is legit literally every ElfQuest story ever published with maybe some exceptions i maybe rebels and jink aren't jinx aren't in there but like i think basically everything else is well i saw that i had to jump on it and i wanted to mention it tonight in case anybody else is interested uh, this will still be running by the time this post goes up on sunday and a humble bundle's pretty great i've i've a long going Uh, excuse me, a long-term ongoing customer of Humble Bundle, and I like what they do. And this, to me, looked like a pretty smoking deal for a whole lot of high-quality comic stuff. It really is. $18 for basically everything except for the weird future stuff. There you go. I mean, that's tough to beat. It's real hard to beat. The other thing that I did want to mention, and I I sent you a text about this last night, but I wanted to just talk about it a little bit more today because I'm still riding on the high from this experience. Sure. So one of the bands that I really, really like is the band Nea Bliviscaris. They're from Australia. Their first album, Portal of Eye, dropped back in 2012. They... 
I don't know honestly how I would describe them. It's got black metal elements. It's got death metal elements. It's got progressive elements. It's got both a harsh vocalist and a clean vocalist. The clean vocalist also plays the violin and not just as a like, Oh, cool. There's a little violin. Like, no, the violin just as much as the guitars in many situations carries the songs and is, is absolutely integral to the music. I got to see them live, gosh, probably back in 2017, 2018, when they were on tour for their last album. So they've only released three studio albums, and they have a new album coming out on the 24th of March. Uh, the album is Exul, E-X-U-L. They've released two singles from this album, but I didn't listen to them because, and I think this has come up at some point in the past, but I... I very much, uh, not all the time, but I very much value the art of the album. And I appreciate artists who think about their music and, and really put some thought into constructing the album in a way to be listened to from start to finish. And especially on their previous two albums, Neobliviscaris very much does this. You know, they have songs that are a couple parts and songs that really flow into one another. And so I wanted to hold off until I could listen to the whole thing. Well, many years ago, Neobliviscaris decided to launch a Patreon. Now, in this current day and age, I think many people would be like, cool, lots of bands do a Patreon. And you're right. But at the time when Neobliviscaris announced this, they were excoriated by the, by other bands and things just like they were just brutalized about, Oh, this is terrible. How could you even think to do this? If you know, you shouldn't be asking your fans to support you in this way and blah, 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 which is just stupid because you know, the way the music industry now is if you're not Taylor Swift or someone close to that big, then you're not doing music full time. And so this was a way for them to go, Look, you know, this is a way for us to maybe be able to focus a little more energy into the music because we'll have this other source of kind of steady income. Well, I jumped on the bandwagon fairly quick and started uh, supporting them on Patreon. And about, oh gosh, I think last week they announced that either if you supported them on Patreon at a certain level per month, which is a pretty, pretty high level, not the level I'm at, or if you've been uh, supporting them on Patreon long enough that your kind of lifetime contributions was above a certain amount, they invited us to a Zoom call where we got to listen to the entire album three weeks early with members of the band. And so I got to do that last night. And I have to say, it was incredible. First of all, I think the album is amazing. Now, granted, I've only listened to it once, but holy cow, it was awesome. Like so good and really an interesting, uh, a progression of the band very much sounds like Neobliviscaris, but sounds like a, a mature kind of pushing themselves in a few ways band, which, and, and I really enjoyed that. And then after we listened to the what 51, 52 minute album uh, on zoom, there were three members of the band and then there were 15 of us who were in on the call. Oh and man, only 15. Well, they, yeah, they split it up over, uh, three different sessions, but and still, 
Yeah, I think Tim, uh, one of the vocalists in the violin, he was kind of running the show. He said that uh, he said he thinks that they only really ended up inviting about seventy people and had about sixty who were able to participate. So yeah, there was just fifteen of us. And so after we were done listening to the album and they had the chat going and, you know, we were all dropping things in the chat and just being like, I think at one point I was like, holy shit, that transition was nasty, you know? And it's fun because then you'd see like members of the band were like adding emojis and like thumbs up in our comments and stuff like that and, and responding to them as well. And then when it was done, they spent about, I don't know, 35 minutes or so. Just, and would have spent longer, but they were just like, okay, let's talk. What do you guys, anybody want to say anything? What do you think? Do you have questions, feedback? What did, what, you know, what was the experience like? And so we got to just sit there and kind of, we talked to the band and they answered back and stuff. And, and then they didn't stop until kind of nobody else had anything to say. All of us were listening. We're just like, guys, this was awesome. Thank you. And then that's when they finally wrapped it up. And it was, I mean, I am so excited now for this album and I'm bummed that I have three weeks before I can listen to it again. But it was just one of these things that I kind of came away from it going, you know, they're never going to be the biggest band in the world. First of all, they're kind of a subgenre of a subgenre sort of band. Sure. Man, like I, I, these are the kind of things that turn people into like just die hard fans. I mean, that was an experience, a music experience I'm never going to forget. And it was, it was super cool. And I appreciate them going, how do we connect with some of our fans in, uh, in a different way? How do we make this a more meaningful thing? And, uh, and it was cool and I appreciated it. And, I tell you multiple times through the experience, I was like, Oh yeah, nope. I got goosebumps. It was awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, it is very, it very cool. So well, what about you? What have you been checking out? Well, I have had a very busy video game couple of weeks. Ooh, do tell. So I finished final fantasy 15, which I talked okay. about last time. Uh-huh. rules it's so good i finally I, you know i think i mentioned last time i had hit the end game but i wasn't quite high level enough so i went back to do some grinding and it was worth it and the ending was super cool that game rules noctis is an all-timer main character and uh it's very good it's a very good game anyone who tells you it's not is wrong and then i spent probably 10 or 15 hours playing death stranding Okay. Um, which I had picked up for free when it was one of the giveaways in the Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a weird game that I like the idea of more than I like the experience of playing the game. <laughs> I mean, it is a Kojima game. It is. And like, the thing about it is that it starts really strong and oozes like style and and just really pulls you in it's very evocative but i'll be damned if i understand what's going on really (laughs) it looks great it looks like a million bucks um and it's conceptually very interesting being you know Earth's last Amazon delivery person across the wilderness of the United States is an interesting concept, but 
the gameplay is pretty frustrating when it comes to enemies. The mm. delivering process of like, oh, I gotta balance my bag again or my backpack again so that I'm not too lopsided. And sometimes you'll lose your balance, so you need to hold the mouse keys to like get back in balance. And like, if you're leaning to the right, then you need to push the left mouse button to get yourself back over if you're leaning to the left. And that's all very interesting. And like the way that different types of cargo will cause your body to to move more, like some cargo just moves more on your on your back. So like there is a scene particularly where you are carrying a dead body on your back hmm. um, to go be cremated. And that thing just flops around. <laughs> and so it's really hard to keep your balance in that part. But like you get a bunch of like really big boxes full of just like resin or metal or whatever, those suckers just kind of stay in place. Mm. Um, so that stuff is all very interesting. Like the ex- the exploration, the like trying to find what's what's my best route through through or around or over or under these different things is interesting. But then sometimes you have to deal with the bad guys that are around and so you've got to go into combat and the combat is dog shit (laughs) or sometimes you have to deal with the bts and dealing with the bts is just not fun there's only so many grenades full of your own piss you can throw until you run out and then inevitably things go poorly for me um (laughs) so i think i'm going to keep playing it but i took a little break from it because i was just feeling frustrated by one particular spot where i got like at by the BTs like three times in a row. And I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm going to take a break. So then I played the entirety from start to finish of final fantasy 13. <laughs> Can I How tell you something? Peter? Take? What's that? Eh, 30 hours. It's maybe 30 hours all told. Okay. Uh, that game rules. Here's a secret. Okay. Here's a secret. I think I'm maybe going to become a sicko about the Final Fantasy games <laughs> because I've played three now, 13, wow. 14, and 15, and all three of them are probably in my top 25 games of all time list. Wow. And a couple of these are ones that are considered weaker entries in the series. Right, right. Like most people hold up four six seven eight ten as their favorites not a whole lot of people are saying 13 and especially not a whole lot of people are saying 15 is their favorite Mm -hmm. but i thought they were both incredible i'm currently four or five hours into 13 2 13 2 because 13 is a trilogy baby so i got two more games to play of this before i even think about playing number 12 um, so I might just work my way slowly backwards through all of the Final Fantasy games. Okay. And I'm sure that the time required to play them will uh, decrease, as especially once I get back to those SNES and, and Nintendo era ones. I can't imagine those are 40, 50 hour games. I got to imagine those are like a tight 10 tops. But we'll see. Hmm. I'm really enjoying them. Here's the thing. They are cool games. They're just very cool games. And and the thing that I think is most interesting, and this is why I think I'm, I'm going to become a sicko about it and play all of these games, 
is that again i've played 13 14 and 15 and 14 obviously is one of the outliers because it's a it's an mmo so it's got mmo style combat which is a different creature but for 13 and 15 also have extremely different combat from one another Hmm. And like the the act of playing the game in those two games are very different from one another. And that I was talking to a friend about it who has played, I think, all of them. And they said, that's the fun thing about the Final Fantasy series is that no two games play alike. Every single one, even the ones that are sort of similar to each other, like like two and three, there's maybe a lot of similarities between them, but there's still some wrinkles that make them different. Or like, no, they specifically said three and five have a lot of similarities between them, but there are wrinkles where like in three, there is a way you need to beat these fights. Whereas in five, while it's very similar, it's like, here's a bunch of ways that you could beat this fight. You've just got to find the way that works best for you. Okay. Um, so like 15 is it's essentially an action game like it's not necessarily turn-based at all um it's really just an action game but 13 uses the a a version of the active time battle system which is essentially turn-based and real-time combat mashed into one because basically you have a meter that fills up and when the meter fills up that's when the actions take place so like it's turn-based in that you choose and in 13 you actually are choosing the actions before your meter fills up and in a lot of the early earlier ones that use active time battle type systems your meter will fill up and then it's like i choose this action whereas in 13 it's like i got four segments in my atb meter so i i choose four different things that i want to have happen when this fills up um or or you can just push the out the auto battle button and it just chooses for you Mm. which makes things easy uh, when you don't want to work that hard. Um, So the auto battle battle button is very handy. Um, And the other thing about 13 and 13 too, but 13 especially, it's one of the best looking video games I've ever seen. And it is a 360 era game that looks better than the crap I play on my PS5. Wow. Because the engine is so good. But apparently it is just a beast to work in because they made exactly four games in it. And then they were like, throw this in the sea and never let it escape. Hmm. But it is is incredible to look at this game and be like, yo, dog, this came out the early days of the 360. This came out the same year that Oblivion came out. And it looks better than a PS5 game. Wow. It's wild. It's a very cool game. So yeah, oh yeah, we'll continue updating on my Final Fantasy journeys. I look forward to hearing about it. Lightning was a great protagonist for 13. Here's an interesting thing. This is not a spoiler because this game came out like 12 years ago. 132, <laughs> you think you're going to you think you're going to still be Lightning who's the protagonist of the first game. Like it's a turn it's a it's a team game like there's a party, there's six people in the party, but Lightning is the main character. She's the one on the box art. She's the main character of the game. Mm-hmm. She's also on the box art for Final Fantasy Thirteen too. I played as her for 15 minutes, and now I've been playing as her sister for the last five hours. Oh. And her sister, Sarah, is the main character. Lightning is not the main character of this game. They, they pulled an MGS2. Yeah. Because, like, everyone thought Metal Gear Solid 2, you're going to be Solid Snake again. No, dog, you play that game as Raiden. 
They just don't tell you beforehand. And that's exactly what's happened with 13 too. I thought I was going to continue playing as Lightning, and I was like, I love Lightning. I'm excited to still be Lightning. She's fucking queen of my heart. Love this girl. No, I'm not being Lightning. I'm being Sarah, which is weird, but... I gotta, I gotta find out how to save lightning. So, and then Final Fantasy 13-3 is not called 13-3. It's called Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13. So, ah. you know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be getting back to lightning at some point. And I know that the gimmick of that game specifically, and like, I don't know how you could more laser focus a game to my particular interests. The focus of that game is the powers that you have are connected to the outfits that you wear. And there are over, <laughs> there are over a hundred different outfits in that game. Peter, it is 40 to 50 hours of space Barbie. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. <laughs> and that's my favorite stuff in the world. That's my favorite part of playing final fantasy 14 is the fashions putting together cool outfits. It's my favorite part. When I still go back to play star Wars, the old Republic, I only play space Barbie for a little bit and put together a very cool character that I play for five or 10 hours. And then I delete them because that game is boring, but I like playing space Barbie. So like if I get to spend 40 or 50 hours, just figuring out what is the coolest outfit I could put lightning in. I mean, laser focused onto my interests <laughs> so we'll see that's how great. that goes when i get that's there gotta play 13-2 first all right well i look forward to hearing updates well, i'll keep you posted Excellent. um so for today's topic um we are going to be talking about the prologue and the first three episodes of the newest gundam series which is titled mobile suit gundam the witch from mercury um, this is a series that started um, coming out late last year. October 2022 is when it debuted. Um, and it has first the first core, which is what they call basically half seasons in Japanese media, has come out because um, it, it is scheduled for a full season of 24 or 26 episodes and 12 episodes in the prologue have come out so far. That was the first core. And then the second core is due out later this year. It seems to be very popular, so I think we'll probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, get more of it than just one big long season, but we'll see. Um, but the first 12 episodes have come out. It's done very, very well. Um, it has, in a lot of ways, kind of invigorated uh, people's interest in Gundam. Um, and I think for some really interesting and good reasons, which we're going to talk about. Um, but before we talk about kind of what happens in the prologue and the first three episodes... How did you find watching Witch from Mercury, Peter? I know that you have stated that you've not been a big, you're not a big anime person. It doesn't really appeal to you. How did, how did you find these four episodes of TV? The overall experience was, uh, it was positive. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, you were right. The prologue was different than at least the next three episodes. When the prologue was done, I was in 100%. I was like, hot damn, give me more. Um, I still enjoyed quite a bit the overall experience and want to finish it. I want to continue watching it because it was interesting enough that I feel to at least some degree invested in some of these characters. Uh, so it was... It, it was something that quite honestly, I enjoyed it 
a lot more than I thought that I was going to. Well, I am glad to hear that because I think it is just the bomb.com. I think this game or the show <laughs> is really, really cool. Um, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I did. I did. I was glad too. So I'll I mean, set look, the stage I'll a little. Put, oh, I'll, go I'll ahead. Put, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll say this. I enjoyed it enough that at one point in the last few days, I was looking at the cost and options for a Crunchyroll subscription. It's cheap. I did not sign up, but I looked at it and I thought, huh. Also, I'll just loan you my login if you want to log into Crunchyroll. No one has to know. <laughs> they're not pulling a Netflix right now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to be like, I see two different IPs using this Crunchyroll account. I think you'd be fine. So if you want to watch some more, you just let me know. Oh, um, all right. Because the whole thing is on Crunchyroll right now. And the dub is coming out. I did not watch the dub. It is out for the first for all of the episodes that we watched, but I, I've heard the dub is not very good. So I just watched it in Japanese and that was fine. Yeah. So it didn't bother me at all. I'm going to set up what happens in these episodes. And then we can talk a little bit more about the specifics. Okay. So in the prologue, it's the far future. Um, there is this technology that has been developed called the gund technology G U N D, um, which is, a human to technological interface, essentially, um, that was originally designed to work with prosthetics to make it easier to move and live in space and to help people who are disabled for whatever reason. Um, but then, of course, like so many things, it gets weaponized and gets turned into mobile suits that have capabilities heretofore unseen in traditional mobile suits. And the people who are in charge of the Mobile Suit Development Council think that this is bad. So they essentially attack the space station. They're called Fronts in this. Gundam always has cool names for like the space stations or the space colonies that they have. And in this particular series, they're called Fronts. And so they attack the front upon which they're developing this, this Gundam technology. Um, and so... Uh, the person who's the test pilot for one of the three, you know, mobile suits that they have there, the Elfrith, as it's called, um, can't get it to connect the way that it's supposed to. But then in the attack, she goes and she is looking for her daughter who has kind of strayed. It's her daughter's fourth birthday, little Eric's fourth birthday. Um, and so she goes as people are getting killed left and right. It's extremely bloody. Um, but so she finds Aerie hiding in the cockpit of the Elfrith and Aerie has interfaced with the Elfrith and figured out how to get it to work. And so they launch and kill a lot of dudes and little four-year-old Aerie does it and says, mom, it's just like candles cause it's her birthday and Gundam mm -hmm. is not subtle. Um, her father is piloting one of the other mobile suits gets killed basically saving so that she and her dad can f and her mom can flee in the Elfrith. Um, and that's basically where the, the episode ends with Elnora, the mom, Ari, the daughter fleeing in the Elfrith, um, and the dad sacrificing himself to, to keep them alive as 
over the connection. <laughs> Again, not subtle. Over the comms, he sings happy birthday to her and she sings along as he dies, saving her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where the prologue ends. So, like you said, it's very heavy. Um, it's a lot darker than the the main series at least starts out. Um, and it's kind of brutal. Yeah, it was. But uh, at any rate, then there's a time skip during the show proper. And suddenly, we've got a new protagonist, our main character, Suleta Mercury, who looks suspiciously like a young airy uh in her mobile suit the aerial which you mean an, an older airy an older airy who looks suspiciously like the elfrith show up at school at the at the astacasia school of technology which is a school um that is specifically designed for people who want to become pilots of mobile suits or or mechanics or uh, crew or any of those the kind of people who want to work with mobile suits um and so she goes there and she is very awkward and anxious because she's literally never been around people her age and this is maybe a thing that comes out later there are no other kids on mercury she's from mercury and there's literally no other children on the entire planet of mercury so she's never been around people her age which contributes to her anxiety and her like inability to really function well around them. But as they're pulling up point and we'll get into it probably a little more later, but I thought they communicated that pretty, I, I don't know. I know you said that it's not subtle and I can definitely agree with you the ways that it's not subtle, but there were a few things that they did with her character that I really enjoyed as kind of, Again, that show don't tell. They're not necessarily yeah. telling you there's none others, but she's talking about what does she want to do at school? And one of the top things, no, but like one of the things that I thought was really interesting was one of the things she most wants to do at school is like call somebody by a nickname. Yeah. Like we hear, I she mean, has a list that she goes over of things she wants to do at school. And the top four are the one that I can remember, the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Number one, make a friend. Mm-hmm. Number two, call a friend by a nickname. Number three, go to the library and eat lunch in the library. Mm-hmm. And number four, go on some dates. So yep. like, this is, cl- this is the kind of person she is. Yeah, it was, like I say, it was an incredibly effective and kind of an endearing way to set up why she's a bit of an outsider. Yeah. And and it, 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 it demonstrates it not only through everyone treating her differently because she is from this planet that nobody is from and the way that she is an outsider from both different types of groups of students. This is a thing that will, let me finish the explanation of what happens really quick and then we'll talk about it. Um, she is arriving at the school. She sees someone outside in a spacesuit. She goes to save them. That is Miorin Rembrandt, who happens to be the daughter of Delling Rembrandt, the guy who runs the mobile suit consortium that killed Elnora's husband, Ari's dad. Maybe Suleta's dad? Questions. There's lots of questions about Suleta's identity. Um, she saves her. 
get back in the school. She's pissed because she's trying to escape to Earth. She does not want to be in the school anymore. She does not want to be under the thumb of her father. Come to find out, though, not only is she under the thumb of her father, but her future is also under the thumb of her father because her dad, who is this super bastard who has set up the school, has made this system where all conflicts are resolved through duels in mobile suits between students. And whoever is the winner of the duels, whoever's the head head honcho, the best duelist, is called the holder, which means that they are Miorin's fiance because mm-hmm. she is going to marry whoever is the holder at the end of the school at, at, at when she's done with school, which is pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suleta finds out about all of this and is horrified at the way that Guel, who is the current holder is treating Mirin, And so challenges him to a duel and says, no, you got to stop this. Like you can't do this. And, Long story short, she duels him and kicks his ass in the aerial. The aerial cuts his mobile suit into little bits with literally no effort whatsoever. And so she becomes the fiance of Murain. It turns out there's a bunch of like complaints about, we think this is a Gundam. Gundams are illegal. Her mom, Lady Prospera, shows up and again... Thanks to context clues, we can all tell that this is Elnora with a dye job because her hair is now black and she wears this real evil looking mask. Um, But it's her because she has the same missing arm that Elnora had in the prologue. Um, She shows up and defends it and says, this isn't a Gundam. This is our drone technology that we've developed out on Mercury. And they're like, no, it's a Gundam. We're going to destroy the aerial. We're going to destroy the aerial. Miorin shows up and challenges her father to a duel and he's like that's not how this works and she's like no i'm gonna stand with suleta if suleta can defeat guel again i get to stay at school he's also trying to take her away from school she's like i get to stay at school she is my fiance and that is where i'm playing by your rules and so they have a second duel guel's parents guel's dad plays dirty with a fancy pants new mobile suit um, called the Daryl Bald um, that has all sorts of great AI uh, assistance. And they also like rig the um, weather so that it makes it so that Ariel's beam weapons don't work and that sorts of stuff. And so through trial and error, through struggle, through Murine helping Suleta by stopping the environmental um, problems, eventually Suleta wins once again, defeats Gwell. And I forgot that this is how episode three ended. But as soon as it ended, I was like, hot damn, I need to watch another episode. It ends with Gwell leaving his mobile suit, walking up to Saleta, getting down on his knee and saying, will you marry me? And her just going, what? And then it cuts to the credits. (laughs) (laughs) So like, this is a show that is obviously dealing with a lot of questions about like, teenage relationships and all that sorts of stuff but like through this guise of like this system of of engagement that is all this arcane dual stuff that for those who might not know and this probably includes you peter is essentially lifted straight from revolutionary girl utana which is an extremely 
influential anime from the mid 90s one of my all-time favorites that i would recommend with a whole lot of caveats um because it is really problematic in a lot of ways but still i think is one of the best shows i've ever seen but that show also deals with a fiance who is engaged to whoever wins the duels who becomes the groom and is even dealing with this same gender issue of like what happens when a woman becomes the groom we just go with it because that's how this works these are the rules um and so this is lifting explicitly from utana and reinterpreting a lot of the themes and a lot of the things that utana does for a 2022 audience and i think it works really really well um but what are some of the things that you thought about as you were watching this or some of the things that stood out to you well as i kind of already mentioned i like i like the way they set up the character suleta i think they make her awkward enough that you kind of are like, oh, what are you doing? But endearing enough that you're like, oh, what are you doing? I hope you figure this out because I like you. Yeah. And uh, so she's a compelling protagonist. And, uh, you know, again, I, I like that part of it quite a bit. One thing, I think, mm-hmm. uh, one thing related to that that I think is really interesting I am not autistic, so I can't claim this, but I know a lot of people who are autistic have latched onto a lot of her behavior and been like, oh, dog, this is like autism representation number 101. Like, Hmm. she expresses a lot of uh, anxieties and a lot of social um, anxieties and problems and, and ways to navigate the world that has really resonated with a lot of neurodivergent people that I know, which I thought was really interesting and an interesting way to read Suleta, um, and an interesting sort of thing for them to see through this character, which I, I kind of love that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I think it's a neat world that they build. I feel like, and I feel like I'm not supposed to yet, but I don't understand it all. And some of the, the political sort of machinations with these organizations and and these companies, you know, there's like, there's a big company that has all these other companies. And at one point, you know, you see them kind of talking about, they're going to kick this company out because their profits or they, they haven't been turning a profit. And, and so there's some really interesting, I don't know what I feel like at the very least, some kind of commentary about, you know, our capitalist economy and um, just the way that basically we haven't seen any sort of governmental body. All we yeah. see are these corporations basically running everything. And that's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not by any means an original idea in science fiction. I I think you can find a lot of speculative in science fiction where corporations have kind of taken control and, and, but I thought that they did it well. And I think that it, again, it sets up an interesting world that makes me go, okay, yeah, I I definitely want to know more about what's going on in this world. Well, and 
I think that there's, and again, this has sort of been hinted at, especially in that third episode, you started to see a, this a, a little more explicitly. And I'm very excited for you to watch episode four um, because it features one of my all-time favorite scenes in the series. Um, a, a couple of the side characters we haven't mentioned are um, a couple of uh, students who are from Earth. And they are called Earthians. And people who are from space are called Spacians. And there is a clear class divide between Mm -hmm. Earthians and Spacians. Because the people who are from space are clearly the better, the more wealthy, the the chosen people. And this is a thing that is developed on and that you'll see more of uh, later on in the series. Earth is a hell house. Earth is a terrible place to be because all of the resources and all of the money and all of the leadership and all of the thing and like all of the, all, all of the infrastructure has gone into space. And so only those who are in the lowest rungs of society have been left behind on the planet earth. Mm-hmm. And so there is this clear class divide in the school between the earthians like Nika and Chushu Chuchu is one of my favorite characters in the show. And like I say, the next episode has an all-timer scene with Chuchu. Um, and they're treated really poorly by the other students. And so it becomes a really interesting critique of, of classism or c- critique of discrimination in that way. Um, and is something that gets developed as the show goes on. Because again, Suleta coming from Mercury is in this weird place where technically she's a Spacian. But the Spacians don't see her as one of them because she's not from any of their societies and she doesn't know any other kids or doesn't have any support structures here. There's no house uh, because, you know, one thing that is established a little bit here but is really put into, you know, clearer focus later on is that the school is organized into houses that are representative of the company that sponsors you or the colony that sponsors you or wherever you're from. and so she doesn't have that institutional support because no one from Mercury has ever come to the school before because they don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So the Spacians don't treat her like one of them. But the Earthians also have trouble trusting her because she's still from space. Mm-hmm. And so she is in this liminal space and, again, is just as guileless as possible. Like, she just wants to make friends and call them by their nicknames. She just wants to call Miorin, Mio Mio, who that immediately gets shot down and like, just take your cute nickname, Mio Mio, come on. So like, (laughs) she's in this weird liminal space between the earth people and the space people. And that is a thing that gets developed a lot as she becomes closer to the earth people. Um, And so that comes into really stark contrast as the show develops. Hmm. Well, like I say, I'm definitely looking forward to watching more. It was interesting. It was entertaining. Uh, I I like the way it looks. Um, You know, I think that, uh, I don't know. It was, it, it was, it was fun and it was enjoyable in a way that to be quite honest, I was, I, I was reticent about watching it only because in the past I have had some struggles with anime, but also admit I haven't tried it all that much. So, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to kind of go, okay, look, I agreed we were going to do this, so I got to do it. <laughs> and then, uh, no, and then like I say, it turned out that I, I really enjoyed it, and I am definitely definitely want to watch, uh, watch all of it. Other things that I think that are really interesting to point out just 
in terms of the trajectory of Gundam as a franchise, that is really unique about this show specifically. This is the first time that we have had a female main character for a Gundam series ever okay. since 1979. And it's only the second time that that person has been noticeably a person of color in comparison to a lot of the other cast mm-hmm. because Suleta has darker skin than most of the cast of this show. Mm-hmm. And the only other time that's happened is in turn a Gundam and which was 1999. Uh, so it's been a long time since that has happened too. And on top of that, it is not subtle about the lesbianism, my friend. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And that, and that is to me one of the things that I find most innovative about this. Like, and again, it explicit callbacks to Revolutionary Girl Utena. When you watch that opening credit sequence in episodes two and three, once it's established, and it ends with that shot of Suleta and Murin like turning on each other, like 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 yin and yang with each other. Mm-hmm. That is explicitly a shot from the opening of Revolutionary Girl Utena, which again is about this same concept of dueling. Utena, who is the main character, is this girl who wants to be a knight, wants to be a prince because she was saved by a prince at a young age. And so there's a lot of questions about gender and questions about sexuality. And that show ends with those two girls being in love and one of them turns into a car. It gets complicated, but (laughs) they're in love with each other. Look, Adolescence of Utena is one of the weirdest movies that has ever existed. I was <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> it's weird. One of them, maybe both of them, I don't it's been a while. There's car, there's car <laughs> transformations that occur at the end of Adolescence of Utena. It's complicated. Um but like the guy who created this show, um his name is Ichiro Okuchi. And he, his first gig was writing the light novels of Revolutionary Girl Utena. That was his Uh, very first gig. And so this is a thing that has been close to his heart for a long time and a thing that he has worked in a lot. He is also the man responsible for Code Geass. Um, For those of you who are other mech fans listening, he is the criminal in charge of Code No, he's not a criminal. Code Geass is a wonderful mess of a show. That's what I'll say about Code Geass. <laughs> um, he also is responsible for Princess Principal, which is like a classic of Yuri animation. So, uh, you know, lesbian animation in in, uh, in Japan. So, like, the guy has done it. And so I trust him to not blow it here. There are a lot of showrunners that were they to um, set up the way that this show is set up with Suleta becoming the groom and Murin as the bride and they're going to be married and Murin's just like, what? Suleta's like, you can do that? And Murin's like, okay, backwater girl. Yeah, that's super fine. People can, gay people get married in space, baby. Um, I, I trust him to follow through on it in a respectful and meaningful way. And like, there's been a lot of discourse about this being like, oh, well, this is just bait or, oh, they're just like hinting at it. And it is so funny to have watched this show alongside a very good friend of mine uh, whose book we actually read on this podcast a few months ago, Benjamin Shudenkyo, 
who is like, no, guys, this is this this show is so lesbian. Like, these are lesbians, my guys. This is not this is not closeted. This is not hinted. These are just lesbians who are in love with each other, and they're gonna figure it out. And I trust the I trust the guy, the creator, to 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 do this in a respectful way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's very interesting. It's been seven years since there's been a Gundam actual series that wasn't just like, you know, they did a bunch of like movies or like OVAs. It's been seven years since I heard Blooded Orphans. So it's been a slump for Gundam. And they're like, okay, we're going to do a new Gundam. It's going to be a girl. She's going to be a woman of color. And she's going to be a lesbian. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> okay, you just you just decided to like, put shame on the name of everyone else who's doing the same old same old which i i really appreciate that yeah so i don't know is there anything else you wanted to mention about this show i don't think so like i say really i just it was it was an interesting experience it was a lot of fun to watch and it's something that i want to uh, i want to finish i want to continue the story because it 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 drew me in uh, and uh, i want to find out what happens well, you will have to, uh, as you as you watch it, do a quick check in at the start of other episodes. I will say that episode twelve, the final episode of the core, ends in such a way that you'll be like, "What? Mm-hmm. That's how you're <laughs> going to end it?" And then you're going to make me wait till the next part comes out. So keep that in mind and be excited okay. for that. It's an exciting way for the episode to, to end. I remember just texting a friend in in absolute shock at what they had done in the, at the end of that episode. So it gets more and more complicated. It deals a lot more with those questions of corporate greed and capitalism and uh, revenge and political corruption. And it goes a lot of really cool places. I think it's a very cool show. Um, and it's only 13 episodes and each episode is 20 to 25 minutes. So you can knock that out quick. And yeah, it's all no, on YouTube, friends. That. Maybe not all of it at this point. I think only half of it is out currently on the English language YouTube site if you're in the US. But it will get there eventually because they're putting it all on their YouTube site. So you'll be able to watch it. Or like I say, if you're friends, hit me up. I'll give you my Crunchyroll. <laughs> you, go, you go watch it on Crunchyroll right now. But I'm very excited to see where it goes. I think that the aerial, I mean, we talked about it in the mech episode. I think the aerial is one of the all-time Gundam episode or designs. I'm yeah, very, very excited. Cool. I'm very excited to eventually build the model of it. Nice. Maybe this can be your foray into Gunpla. I don't know if you would like it or not, but it sure is fun to put those little figures together. Yeah, the only reason I'm going to have to say probably not is because I just don't have space for that. I have too many, you know, I've got shelves that are, covered or filled with vinyl and crap like that, that I'm like, Hmm, I got to limit my physical, uh, accoutrements. And not that's fair. Get too much more, but you know, that's very fair. Well, if there's nothing else we need to talk to, then we will be back in two weeks with another episode, which I'm very excited to see what Peter comes up with for us since we are out <laughs> of our winter of X content. Right. And so I there is no more X content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and until then, um, we'll talk to you later. If Feel free to leave us some stars on your podcast platform of choice. If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email at feedback at the middle of culture.com. Um, and until two weeks from now, have a great day. Bye.